If you would turn in your Bibles to the book of John. John chapter 15, which is found on page 1071. John 15, we're going to read the, read the verse, the first eight verses. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask yourself, ask whatever you wish, and it will be uh, done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. I remember when I was a kid, there was a, a certain time of the year that, that I always loved. Near our barn growing up, um, there was a, a, a small grape orchard. And uh, the vines had to have been 40 to 50 years old because, boy, they were, they were fairly thick, especially at the base. And, and why I say I, there were certain times of the year I really loved, um, I loved it when those grapes were ripe. You, not only could you smell them, but the birds would let us know too. Um, they would put little happy faces all over your car, though it never, never made me smile, but... Um, and so I can remember my brother and I, we'd be mucking out the, the stalls in the barn. And we'd take a break and we'd go over to that orchard and, and grab some big bunches of uh, Concord grapes, full of juice, nice and sweet. And I remember how good those tasted. I mean, refreshing, it was sweet. Sometimes those little pleasures in life, those are the best, aren't they? Grapes have always been a, a central to Israel, to their agriculture, as well as their economy. The climate of Israel, it's ideal for uh, growing uh, grapes, especially the ones on on the slope, closer to the Sea of Galilee. And and so grapes, all through Israel's history, is something that the people uh, were familiar with and and something that they understood. Um, Because water, a lot of times, was polluted, um, oftentimes they would drink wine or watered down wine for 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 water because that was uh, one of the one of the safer ways to uh, um, to get that that fluid that we need and, and so way back even in the Old Testament um, this was a, a, a picture of god 's relationship with his people. Um, And and you see that coming out of the Old Testament in a number of places. And then again, we find it in the New Testament. 
One of those places is Isaiah 5, where the prophet Isaiah, he, he pictures Israel as God's orchard, and, and it's God the one who watches over it. He's the one who takes care of it. And God loved his vineyard so much that he plowed it and cleared it of stones, and he planted the choicest vines, he, he watered it, he did everything he could for those, those vines. Even put up a, a watchtower, that passage says, so that it could be watched over, so that no harm would come to it, no animals would get into it. But despite all, this, all that care, these vines that God planted, they, they only produce sour grapes, the kind of grapes that, that just aren't very pleasing to, to put into your mouth. Isaiah 5, verse 4 says, Though God looked for good grapes, he only found bad grapes. And though God wanted his people to do good things, Israel did what was evil in his sight, and they did that over and over and over again. Now you have to wonder why these grapes were so bad, given all the attention that the gardener was showing to them. But there was a problem that was deep within the the vine. And that problem is called sin, something that we still deal with. God concluded that Israel just couldn't produce good fruit on its own, while God's righteousness and justice, it it demanded that those grapes be destroyed because of the sin. Yet God in his, his love and his mercy and his grace, he provides a better way, a way that ensures the vines would be fruitful that they would bear the fruit, the, the fruit that, that they're supposed to, that they should produce naturally. Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 11 that one day a shoot would come up from the stump of Jesse. From its roots a branch will bear fruit, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord, something God's people couldn't do on their own. So Isaiah prophesied that one day there would be a vine, and, and into that vine we would be grafted, And because of that, we would be able to bear fruit. This is what we see the gardener doing in John 15. This time, the the gardener uses only that one vine to make his his orchard. And he grafts us us into it. Jesus says in verse 5 that he is the vine and we are the branches. Jesus says he's not one of many branches or one of many vines, But he is the vine. I am the true vine, Jesus says here. Only when the branches are grafted into that vine can they produce fruit. And as Nate said just a few moments ago, it's the only way they can have life. Otherwise, they're just going to die, and the only good they are is to be thrown into the fire. On the night Jesus was arrested... After Jesus and the disciples, they they celebrated the Passover. And Jesus washed his disciples' feet. He spoke to them about his betrayal and and departure. And then Matthew tells us that following this, they they sang a song together. And then he invited them to, to come with him to the Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he was going to pray. And on that walk, I'm sure, that's when he, he, he taught them this. And, and Jesus one, was one of those master storytellers. He would use whatever he could find that was all around them. When, when he's on the slope, um, the story of the, the whole thing with the Beatitudes, 
He's talking about the flowers and, and the birds, and I'm sure that was evident right there. And, and so as he's walking to the Mount of Olives to where he's going to pray, I'm sure they were walking by lots of orchards with grapes hanging on those vines. And that's when he said those words, I am the true vine, and you are the branches. He alone is the source of life that feeds our souls. Without him, we're going to die. Another place, just before this, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's similar to that idea of I am the true vine. There's only one. There's not many. And so on the night Jesus was arrested, after Jesus and his disciples had spent this time together, before he was taken away, he impresses this upon his disciples. And it must have been significant because, again, this is right before he's going to go to the cross. And he knew that these would be some of the last words that he would have with his disciples. And the teaching here is actually quite interesting. Um, we're, we're, we're called to bear fruit, but the problem is we can't do that on our own. Fruit is kind of a natural thing uh, that happens when you're in the vine. And so when you're not in the vine, you're not going to produce fruit. And, and so the first thing we have to get in our, our heads is that if we want to bear that fruit for the Lord, the fruit of the Spirit, other fruit that people can come and, and be nourished from, then we have to be in the vine. We have to be grafted into Christ Jesus because he alone is where we get our nourishment from. And so in Jesus' allegory in John 15, he tells us right from the very beginning who the different characters are in his story. Jesus says he is the vine. His heavenly father, he's the vine dresser. We're the branches. And so God the Father is both the owner and the caretaker of those vines. And if we want to grow and bear fruit, then we have to be grafted into the vine. There's no other way. The gift of salvation, no one deserves this. No one can earn it. It's not because God, Jesus grafts us into the vine because we're, we're deserving of it. I think we've seen that in past weeks. It's just the opposite. We're not deserving of it. But it's God in his grace who calls us to himself, calls us to bear fruit. That's Paul's promise in Ephesians 2. That is, by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. You know, and once we're part of the vine, the Bible says nothing can separate us from Christ's love. Nothing can separate us from that love when we're grafted into, into Jesus. The devil can do what he wants. He can try as hard as he wants, but he can't ever separate us from Christ. We're secure in that love. And I hope that's a comfort to you. And so if we are in the vine, then we have to ask ourselves, are we being fruitful? It should just be a natural thing that we do. We're, we're in the vine. If you're, you're grafted into an apple tree, you're going to bear apples. If you're grafted into an orange tree, you're going to bear oranges. 
And if you're not, you need to ask yourself, if you're not bearing that fruit, if there's little evidence of Christ in your life, then you've got to ask yourself, what's going on? Is there some problem? Is there some disease? Or were you never grafted into the vine to begin with? And so I think the first thing that our passage says that the Lord does for us is, is he prunes us. And we need to remember that he prunes us in love, not to punish us, but he wants us to be healthy. He wants us to walk with him. And, and so long as there's disease, so long as there's sin in our lives, that's going to be hard. Because then God's holiness repels that, that sin and we can't have fellowship with him. I remember one, after one particularly uh, good summer when I was growing up with those grapes, I remember watching my dad one Saturday afternoon pruning the, the orchard. And I, I guess he did this every year, and I just never saw him do it. But I couldn't believe it as I saw him with that hedge clippers or um, the tree pruner. And he started, it seemed like to me, massacring that, that vine, those vines. He cut it back almost to the main vine, not quite. And I'm thinking to myself, there's just no way this is going to bear fruit again. I, I think he killed it. I mean, because that's how it just seemed to disappear. There was, it didn't seem like there was anything left. What I didn't realize, though, is he had done that every year. I just never saw him do it. And uh, I couldn't believe the next year, next summer, it started to grow again, and it had more fruit than it ever had. We need to be pruned if we're going to stay healthy. God is your vine dresser. He faithfully prunes the bad spots from the branches. See, if, there's the, if the, the wood gets too thick, um, the bark or whatever is on, on the vines, if that gets too thick, then bugs can be underneath there, disease can be underneath there, and that's why that needs to be trimmed too. When God sees his children filled with questionable attitudes, sinful desires, sinful passion, lack of commitment, he loves us too much to just turn his head away and say, well, I guess he'll be okay. No, he loves us too much. He gets involved. He, he, he begins that work of pruning. And it's never pleasant to be pruned, to be cut. The reason God does it, again, is because he loves us, because he wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to be healthy. He knows that if the devil can get a foothold into our lives, that he can make us sick. Even to influence just one area of your life, he can make the whole body sick. And so he cuts away everything that will hold us back in our faith, in our walk with him. See, because he wants us to reflect Jesus in our lives. And there's no way we can do that when we're unhealthy and, and we're sick. You see, it's not enough to just appear green. We've got to bear fruit. I've heard that you can, and I read this online, that you can cut a branch off a vine and you can actually put it in water and get roots to start growing. You can even plant it in the ground. And it'll, in all, it looks like a vine. It'll even start growing like a vine. But apparently it won't bear fruit. 
Because you've got to take that thing that you cut off and you've got to, you've got to put it in the vine. It needs nourishment. Otherwise, it's going to dry out. When it's by itself, it will die. The only good it will be is to be thrown into the fire. So what do you do if you know that there's little fruit hanging from the branches of your life? What if you're being convicted right now as, as you hear God's word that you need to do more? That there's just not a lot of fruit. Not only fruit giving evidence of, of who you are in Christ, um, showing your, your, your love to others, but also just the fruit of the Spirit. Just those things that each of us should, should have hanging from the branches of our lives. And so what do you need to do in order to be fruitful? That's the question. Is it just a matter of trying a little harder? Being more self-disciplined? It would be tempting to think that. But that's not the way we're going to become fruitful. Actually, our passage tells us what we got to do, and it tells us this over and over and over. Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. He says, remain in me. And he says this a number of times. You know, if you've ever gone to the beach, and not the beach here with stones, but um, down south a little bit where they have sand, um, a lot of times they'll have these contests, you know, and and people will design all kinds of amazing things with sand. Sea creatures and castles and, and you name it, whatever the theme is. And it really is beautiful. I'm very artistic, these folks who do this. But the only problem with their work is it doesn't last. Eventually, the, the, the rains are going to come. Actually, the, eventually, the, 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 the water is going to come in, the waves, and it's going to erode those, those beautiful things that were, were created. It doesn't last. If we're going to last, if we're going to be permanent, it's got to be in Christ. Just like that, those creations that we see in the sand, they, they, they don't last when they're by themselves. So when we're by ourselves, they're not going to last. We've got to be grafted into the vine. And that means we've got to abide in Christ. Abide in me over and over. He says this. If we're going to produce the fruit of our salvation, that's the only way. It's not by our power. It's not by human effort. It's through Christ alone. Jesus says in verse 4, Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must be grafted into the vine. The Greek word here, it's the idea of you don't just do this one time, but it's something you do over and over and over, this, this bearing fruit. We're called to bear this fruit for the rest of our lives. And so remain in me, verse 4. And I will remain in you. The next line, abide or remain in in the vine. The end of verse 4, abide or remain in in me. Verse 6, abide in me. Verse 7, abide in me. Verse 9, abide in my love. Verse 10, abide in my love. And then at at the end of that verse, abide in his love. But it's still always that idea, abide, 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 remain, remain, remain. Now, you know in the Bible, whenever things are repeated, it's for a reason. It's like when Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, 
that was always a, a, to alert the disciples that, hey, now listen up. What I'm about to say is really important. Or verily, verily, I say unto you, for the, the King James Version. And so, if, if we're going to, if we're going to be faithful in this, that means we have to put Christ first. If we're going to bear fruit, we've got to put Christ first. We've got to be grafted into the vine. That's the only way. It's not by striving harder to bear fruit. The fruit will come. It'll come naturally. What we have to focus on is our walk with the Lord, remaining or abiding in Him, which He repeats over and over and over, again, stressing how important this is. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 20, by your fruits you will be known. So again, ask yourself, what kind of fruit is hanging from the branches of your life? Do you see the fruit of the Spirit? Do you see righteousness and love and mercy? Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you'll never be able to please the Father. Apart from me, you're going to die. None of our works are acceptable to God unless they're done through Christ Jesus. Only those that are done in Christ, those are pleasing to the Lord. But when we try to do things in our own strength, we're just green and leafy and we look good, but you don't bear any fruit. You can have a church that looks so wonderful and so healthy, but it never grows. And the reason for that is because we're not bearing fruit. That's God's call on our lives, on each of us. This isn't a call just for a a few. This is something that we all need to work on. And so what do you need to do to get started in this? Remain in Christ. How do you remain in Christ? We need to be focused on Him. We need to be in the Word. We need to spend time praying. We need to be in fellowship with other believers. We need to fill our minds with things that will encourage us in our faith and lift us up rather than pull us down or pull us away from Christ. But we need to, even more than that, we need to enjoy our relationship with the Lord. We need to taste and see that the Lord is good. We need that daily refreshment. And as Christ fills us, as, as Christ fills us with that peace and that joy and that love, it, it should energize us to want to live for Him, to walk in obedience, to bear the fruit of our faith. See, when we're in Christ, you can't stop the fruit from growing. It's just going to happen naturally. That's something we need to work on each and every day to remain grafted in the Lord. Not that we can, once you're a, a, a believer, like I said a moment ago, that you can fall away because nothing can separate us from Christ's love. But yet at the same time, I think when, when, when we allow things to enter into our lives that are not pleasing to the Lord, it makes us sick. And it, it, it causes us to be fruitless. 
even for a time. But we don't have to feel hopeless about it. We don't have to give up because the Lord's not giving up on us. He will prune and he will prune and he will prune until the fruit begin to come. And so if this morning you think the Lord is being kind of hard on you, maybe he's trying to get your attention. Maybe he's doing it because he just knows a lot of things need to go from your life so that you can start to live for the Lord and and know his joy. As our passage says, when you remain in Christ and express your love for him and your obedience, verse 11 says that your heavenly Father invites you to share in that joy, his joy. He wants us to be happy. But the only way that happiness, that joy will come is if we put him first. If we remain in Christ Jesus. Again, the joy that Jesus offers, it's not for a select few, but it's for everyone who learns to abide in Christ. It belongs to everyone who will remain in the vine and surrender their hearts to the yoke of, of Christ's love. Through the working of the Holy Spirit, I pray that this will describe each of us. May we be fruitful and grow. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, thank you that you are the true vine, that there is no other way. Thank you, Lord, for calling us to yourself. Father, we just pray that we might bear the fruit of our faith, the the fruit of our salvation. And Lord, if there's areas of our life that are not pleasing to you, we just pray, Lord, that you might prune us. Prune us in love, but prune us, Lord, so that we might all the more reflect Christ Jesus. Father, what you've called us to do is not easy, and so we just pray that you might fill us with your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Abide with me.